Welcome to Straight Talk Wealth, heard every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with your experts in all aspects of wealth accumulation, preservation, and income planning guaranteed to last a lifetime. And now, your host of Straight Talk Wealth, Bruce Whitey on News Talk 1590 KBPA. Hey, this is great, man. Do you have any idea what a dirty business you can into? Good morning, Ventura. Welcome to another round of Straight Talk Wealth Radio. I'm your host, Bruce Whitey. We're here every Saturday morning on News Talk 1590 KVTA in Ventura. And we have a really special event coming up. Uh, this is a very special show. As I told you recently, we have changed paths a little bit, changed uh, discussion topics a little bit. And today's going to be a great balance because this show is about what is going on in the larger economic and global picture and the things that we see going on every day in this topsy-turvy, unpredictable, this is not your mom and pop's retirement for the baby boom. It is a different world we live in. And so we talk a lot about that, but we also try to bridge what those events are and what's happening with what you should be doing in your own portfolio, IRA, 401k, your own retirement planning. I hate using that word retirement. Because I don't think anyone should retire. Oh, man. But um, today is a great example of where we're going to bridge the gap. Uh, we've been talking recently about strategies for a world turned upside down. We believe it will be a different world in the future than it has been in the past. We believe there's going to be some upheaval. There's going to be some changes. There, We believe that we are currently in the middle of a great experiment and... Interestingly enough, I opened up the Wall Street Journal today, and there is a tremendous article by John Hilsenrath called Years of Fed Missteps Fueled Dissolution with the Economy and Wall Street. We're going to cover this article in detail today. John Hilsenrath, a very enlightened article about the struggles of the Federal Reserve that used to be on a high pulpit. Um, do you know that in 2001... If you ask the American public, uh, how much confidence do you have in the leader of the Federal Reserve? At that time, it was Alan Greenspan. And believe me, this is not about Greenspan versus Bernanke versus Janet Yellen. It is about the mission of the Federal Reserve and how much they've put us at risk and screwed up in many ways our future markets. Um and again, great arguments made in this that they had to do what they had to do. But the general statement of the article, in fact, the subhead is that the once revered central bank failed to foresee the crisis and has struggled in its aftermath, fostering the rise of populism and distrust of institutions. Let's go back over that. Once revered central bank has failed to foresee the financial crisis. It struggled in the aftermath of the financial crisis. And in itself is a key component that is fostering the rise of populism that we're seeing in the political arena. And we're talking specifically the Donald Trumps and the Bernie Sanders that we've seen. And distrust of institutions. Nice little chart. One of the opening charts in this. A great charts, actually. Several great ones. 
in 2001, when asked, how much confidence in the Federal Reserve leader do you have? Do you have that the Federal Reserve leader will do the right thing for the economy? People answered, answering either a great deal of confidence or a fair amount were 74% of the people answered. So in 2001, 74% of Americans surveyed said that either the Fed was going to, was they had a great deal of confidence or a fair amount of confidence the Fed will do the right thing for the economy, 74%. Today, if you take those two categories, less than 40% feel that way. And in 2001, if you ask people uh, almost no confidence, it was about 5% of the people said they had almost no confidence the Fed would do the right thing for the economy. Not very many. Today, we're hitting 20%. Close to 20% of the people have no confidence the Fed will do the right thing for the economy. Uh, another interesting chart in this. Now, we're going to read the whole article today, so stay tuned. I'm going to get into this. The first half, we're going to cover this article because it's a key issue about why things are not the same as they've been in the past. If you don't understand what the Fed has done, if you don't understand that we have uh, this massive and very much power uh, centralized into very few hands with tremendous financial power in this country, and is now being questioned as whether they really know what they're doing at all, which is what this article is about, then you'll understand why we at Straight Talk Wealth Radio are so concerned that things are not really under the surface what they appear to be today on the surface. Oh, no. And it's not about what markets are doing today that you even need to be concerned with. It's where they'll be tomorrow. And that's what we keep talking about. Well, here's a little interesting, uh, another little chart in this article by John Hilsenrath, which we will cover in detail. This is a chart on how Americans rate federal agencies. Share of respondents who said each agency was doing either a good or excellent job for the eight agencies which con- with, with which consistent numbers were available. You go back to 2003. The first most trusted agency was the CDC, Center for Disease Control. The second most trusted agency in September of 2003 was the Federal Reserve Bank. The third was the FBI. Let's give you the numbers here. Uh, Centers for Disease Disease Control, 66% of the people surveyed felt that uh, the Centers for Disease Control was doing either a good or excellent job. That 66% and first place has dropped to 50% now as of November 2014. So this is a little outdated. There went from first to third, and now only 50% of the people feel they're doing an excellent job. The Federal Reserve in September 2003 was the second most mentioned federal agency that was doing a good or excellent job, 53%. Of the people in 2003, September, said the Federal Reserve was doing a good or excellent job. By July 2009, that number had dropped to 30%. And of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight agencies rated, the Fed went from number two to last place. And they've hovered between seven and eight ever since. Today, 38% of the people say the Fed is doing a good or great job. And they are the last place 
out of the FBI, NASA, CDC, Centers for Disease Control, the CIA, Department of Homeland Services, Homeland, uh, Homeland Security, DHS, the EPA Environmental Protection Agency, and the IRS, the Federal Reserve, runs last place in confidence when back in 2003, it was second place of those eight. So we're going to explore that article, but it says it's really key. And the article looks at why have people lost confidence in the Fed and what is the Fed bungled? What, what's, what have they been doing to make this happen and what struggles are they having? So very key article. We're going to go over that in just a minute. Now, once we read all of that, it just goes back to the topic that we've been covering for years on Straight Talk Wealth Radio, which is times they will be a change in as good as they look today. And so that's good. We've talked about it a lot. Probably if you listen to this show, you're probably in the camp with us because there's another camp out there, which is that the government's made it all better. The government will continue to make it all better. My stockbroker says there's lots of great future. And there is. It doesn't mean there's not opportunity in the investing environment, but it does mean that we have another sea change similar to 2008 that will arrive. There was opportunity in 2008. It's all a matter of how you look at it, mind you. So, you know, you need to realize that when we talk about the risk, it depends who you are and how you hold your portfolio and when you need to get to that portfolio. So it's not like the world has to come to an end. We're not trying to say that. But what we are saying is if you're Mr. and Mrs. IRA 401k buy and hold, you're one of the guys that are at great risk. If you've done well in building up substantial retirement savings and you aren't looking for that shift, you're sitting in a diversified portfolio, which goes up when the whole market goes up and goes down when the market goes down, you're also at great risk that your plans are going to change. So while we talk about that change coming, I am also talking more and more about what are the tactical steps that a good planner takes in the strategic environment of a, of more risk, greater risk, less interest. It used to be in the old days that strategy basically consisted of take risk in your working years, ride the stock market. It'll have some ups and downs. It always comes out fine in the end. And then you can come out of risk as you get a little older. This is mom and pop's retirement. You can come out of risk and you can live on interest rates because interest rates are six or 7% and save a million bucks. You got sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 coming in. You got your pension, which they used to have. You got your IRA or 401k. Uh, and you've got your social security, 50, 60, $70,000 on a five, six, 7% interest rate wasn't too bad. They're up to 8%. So it is this low interest rate environment that's killed the game. It's totally changed the game already that we're in. You can't not be in risk or you won't make any money and you'll fall behind inflation. You can't not be at risk. It's all risk on. And yet, if you scratch the surface to find out what is the actual underlying underlying condition of that risk, which this article explores, you realize that the risk you're taking by being all at risk is a great risk, but you have nowhere to retreat. Yes, you do. In the second half of the show, we're going to talk about tactics and how to plan in this new strategic environment. And we're heading up to an event on the 24th of 
September at the River Ridge Golf Club. We are doing a Facebook campaign on this. We're going to be doing a mailing campaign. So I want to tell you right now that the the event will be full. It'll be very full. Uh, I don't usually say that. I'm not. Uh, I'm not trying to make us sound more popular than we are. Believe me, this show has limited popularity because we're talking to people that are special, special people and not the general public who don't want to look at these issues. So the title of today's show, whether you buy it or not, and the title of our event on September 24th at the River Ridge Golf Club is Strategies for a World Turned Upside Down. And it's going to be an authoritative workshop examining the inevitable outcomes of global risk to baby boomers that are retiring in the next 10 years. And what I'm doing in this is I'm shifting from telling you all about all about what's going on in the world because we've done events on that. We, we have a following of people that agree with me on this, but I'm now going to turn and, and tell you what do we do on a tactical level? What are the concerns? How do these manifest for a planner that has to plan in a different strategic environment? So uh, this is the time for you to learn the portfolio planning strategies that we employ, that you need to learn about. And you can employ too, or we can help you. It's a very educational seminar. It's not really a sales seminar. I don't have a pitch at the end of this. I don't have a close at the end of it. But these are going to be the strategies that will preserve and grow wealth in the chaotic investment markets that might just be coming sooner than you think. And we're going to talk about institutional risks. You know, we're going to, do, we're going to, and John Truman Wolf, by the way, if you listen to the show, the author of the coming financial crisis, a look behind the wizard's curtain, he's going to discuss risk from the quadrillion dollar financial derivative market and the likelihood of a Cypress style bank bail-in that's pretty much set to play out in the U.S. with the next banking implosion. He's an expert at that, former banker. I think we're going to have him by Skype. We'll see whether he uh, actually appears or is up by Skype, but he's going to sit in and do a segment on this and help you understand the risks that the banking sector's in, institutional risk. We're talking about market risk. And, and, and when we talk about market risk, we're talking about learning about non-correlated assets that provide you know reasonable rates of return, but far better than the bank or government bond returns in a crisis, and that link to resources and institutions that historically have withstood the worst of times and been able to hold their promises. So that's market risk. We're going to talk about the 4% rule, which is how much should you be taking out of your portfolio to plan for a lifetime and distribution. And we're going to talk about how to bump that 4% rule, which is a very shaky ground. We talked about it recently, uh, we're going to talk about how to bump up to five, six or 7% drawdown safely. Future taxation risk is going to be covered. See, these are all the tactical concerns. So if you agree, the world is changing, which I've been talking about for years on this show, but what I haven't talked about is what do you do about it and how do you tactically plan for it? We're going to break that down. Future taxation risk. We're talking about big risk in life insurance and annuities, which are often sold as panacea financial products today. Uh, but the complexity of these products has increased tenfold in the last decade. So I'm going to dissect the bells and whistles of these things with real, from the real efficacy of the products. For 
uninitiated consumers that are up against very slick insurance salespeople today. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about longevity risk. Today, a couple age 65 have a 47% chance that one of them is going to live to age 90. I think it's a 25% chance one of them will live to 95. And we're also going to talk about sequence of returns risk. So while you're taking withdrawals out of your retirement funds, there's a massive difference in outcome as to when a change in the market direction, when it finally arrives. So just think about it this way. You think it would be better to have a weak market followed by a strong market or vice versa? Does it matter? Well, I'll tell you that if you call that one wrong, you could lob 10 years off the life of your retirement portfolio. So the uh, workshop is coming up on September 24th. We have a limited number of seats. It's a Saturday morning at the River Ridge Golf Club in Oxnard. And we're going to get into our content a little bit, which will help enlighten you about why we're talking about all of this. And I'm going to break some of these risks that I just mentioned, these tactical risks down for you um, uh, on the show and on the coming shows. But listen, the tickets for this, we feed you lunch. It is a four-hour event, sometimes five if I can't get get out of there in time. Four to five hours. It starts at 10 a.m. at the Rivers Golf Club on a Saturday. Tremendous people come to the event. You're going to love the crowd. You're going to love the people you meet there. They're all smart, think-for-themselves individuals who are involved in these issues. And sometimes they take the darn seminar over from me because they've got stuff to say. And I love it. That's the kind of crowd you'll be with. The tickets are $25 until probably about a week before the event. We're going to bump them up to $35. Okay. Right now, if you call during the show and you want to reserve tickets, uh, you can have 10 bucks off. So it'll be a $15 ticket per person. That is a steal, my friend, because the information that you get in this, plus we're feeding you some a decent lunch. Uh, well worth $15. It's well worth the 25 and it'll be well worth the 40 if you wait. So if you want to get the discount on the tickets, here's what you do. You call 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. That's 888-882-5578. Leave all your contact information with the operator and two times for me to call you back during the week. I'll call you back. I will personally procure your tickets. We'll take a credit card or something like that. We'll run it through. We'll have your tickets reserved for you then. You'll get $10 off. So if two of you come, it's $30 instead of uh, $50. So that's a substantial savings. And uh, the thing about this event, which we've never done before, I've always talked about Harry Dent's research and and uh, David Stockman. I'm going to try to feature a little bit of their take on what this Wall Street Journal article is all about. Uh, today, we've always gone into this. This is going to be a tactical planning seminar. Talk about the issues of tactical planning because there are answers to these risks. And I'm going to walk you through an examination of each one of them and how they can each be mitigated and actually woven into a more cohesive retirement portfolio strategy that will weather the coming storm. Would that be valuable to you? Let's get, take 10 bucks off your ticket right now. 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. Saturday, the 24th of September. If you call and you make a reservation and we sell your ticket to you during this week and you do have a personal emergency and you notify us 
at least several days ahead. Probably the cutoff will be about a week ahead. If you notify us a week ahead, you just can't make it. We will refund your ticket. So don't let that hesitate for you to call right now and go ahead and set up a ticket. We, we, you know, I'm not interested in making money off these tickets. I'm just paying for the event. I am interested in knowing how quickly the reservations are coming in and how serious people are about showing up. And that's why we do it. I want to get into this article now. This is years of Fed missteps fuel dissolution with the economy and Washington. It's under a, uh, I guess this might be a series of articles uh, that John Hilsenrath at the Wall Street Journal is writing called The Great Unraveling. It says, once revered central bank failed to foresee the crisis and a struggle in its aftermath, fostering the rise of populism and distrust of institutions. And he writes, in the past decade, Federal Reserve officials have been flummoxed by a housing bubble that cratered the financial system. A long stretch of slow growth they failed to foresee and inflation persistently undershooting their goal. In response, they engineered unpopular financial rescues. They launched start and stop bond buying and they delayed planned interest rate boosts. Quote, there are a lot of things we thought we knew that haven't turned out quite as we expected, unquote, said Aaron Rosengren, president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston. The uh, Quoting again, the economy and financial markets are not as stable as we previously assumed. So he goes into some background here. He says, in the 1990s, a period known in economics as the Great Moderation, it seemed the Fed could do no wrong. Policymakers and voters saw it as a machine with buttons that officials could push to heat or cool down the economy as needed. Now, after more than a decade of economic disappointment, the central bank confronts hardened public skepticism and growing self-doubt about its own understanding of how the U.S. economy works. For anyone seeking to explain one of the most unpredictable political seasons in modern history, with the rise of Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders, a prime suspect is public dismay in institutions guiding the economy and the government. The Fed in particular is a case study in how the conventional wisdom of the late 1990s on a wide range of economic issues, including trade, technology, and central banking, has since slowly unraveled. Once admired globally for their command of the economic system, central bankers are now blamed by the left and the right for bailouts during the financial crisis and for failing to foresee and manage forces suffocating the global economy in its aftermath. Populist protest movements called, quote, fed up, quote, end the Fed, and, quote, Occupy Wall Street lashed out at the bank's policies. And in the case of end the Fed, its very existence Lawmakers of both parties want to subject it to more scrutiny or curb its powers. The Fed's struggles will be on display from Friday to Sunday when it gathers for an annual retreat at Jackson Hole, Wyoming, on issues of growth, inflation, interest rates, unemployment, and how to fight a recession 
Basic assumptions inside the central bank's complex computer models have been upended. Quote, I certainly myself couldn't have imagined six, seven years ago that we would be employing the policies we are now, said Fed Chairman Janet Yellen to a packed ballroom in New York earlier this year. She lamented. The government has leaned so heavily on the Fed to stimulate the economy while tax and spending policies were stymied by disagreements between Congress and the White House. So she's saying, you guys can't fix the tax system. You can't fix spending. And everything falls on the shoulders of the Federal Reserve. I'm, I'm putting words in her mouth, but I think they're somewhat accurate. Okay. Um, regardless, confidence in the central bank's leadership has dropped. An April Gallup poll found 38% of Americans had a great deal or fair amount of confidence in Ms. Yellen, while 35% had little or none. In the early 2000s, confidence in Chairman Alan Greenspan often exceeded 70%. The Fed's own uncertainty about the economy's underpinnings is more than a decade in the ma- making. And it traces back to three key developments that have thrown officials for a loop. First, officials missed signs that a more complex financial system had become vulnerable to financial bubbles. And bubbles had become a growing threat in a low interest rate world. Secondly, they were blinded to a long-running slowdown in the growth of worker productivity or output per hour of labor, which has limited how fast the economy could grow since 2004. Now, I'm going to make a little side comment on that. Hills and Rath, it's a good stat. It's an interesting stat that the, the growth in worker productivity has not been as strong as it was when technology first hit in the 1990s. Um, if you listen to this show, there's a whole other factor, which he doesn't even touch on. He gets into the, he gets into several, what I think are wrong wise. And one that he doesn't even bring up is demographics. We've talked a lot about that on the show. 71% of the gross domestic product in the United States is built, built on consumption, people buying crud, using it up to buy more crud. That's 71% of our gross domestic product. So if you look at the lifetime spending cycle of a consumer, peak spending for a Western or American family is typically when the head of the household is about 47 to 50 years old. That's when the kids are finally in college. When the kids leave college, spending consumption slows way down. You don't want to buy things on credit anymore. The only thing you're thinking after 50 is to reduce your credit footprint, to pay your loans off and to save for retirement. Both of those reduce consumption, which is a big part of our economy. And they take money out of the economy and they put it in your savings. So if you then look at the birth trends. You look at the age trends. You see how old is the average population. You see that baby boomers are 80 million people in this country of 300 million. And there's baby booms with little different timing all over the world throughout Europe. Uh, and you're going to have decreasing populations in China. India is a reverse. India has the strongest demographics around. So if India can get itself organized, get corruption out of its system and industrialize and get more modernized, India will be the boom of the near future because they have fewer old people and many young people. But China's upside down. Uh, the Western world's upside down. And 
Japan was the first to go. So Japan is a very great story that tells us ahead of time, what does it look like when a population slows down its birth rate? In Japan currently, 1.4 children are born for every couple. Grade schools, we've, we've done stories on this from the media where grade schools that had thousands of students in a grade school are no longer, there's, there's nobody there. The schools are empty. So when you have a shrinking population, you can't support consumption. And no matter how you think you're going to turn the wheels and increase pr- production per person or free up credit or make money looser, when you're combating that organic force, uh, it's very questionable whether you're doing anything other than creating the next bubble that has to burst. You have to let things reset to their organic forces. Okay, little aside by me, I just wanted to mention what I thought was missing out of the John Hills and Wrath article. And by the way, if you're just tuning in, who is this guy? I'm Bruce Whitey. This is Straight Talk Wealth Radio. We're here every Saturday morning on News Talk 1590 KVTA at 9 a.m. Today, we are talking about strategies for a world turned upside down. I'm covering the recent article by John Hilsenrath from the Wall Street Journal entitled, The Great Unraveling Years of Fed Missteps Fuel Dissolution with the Economy and Washington. And then when we complete this article here, which I'm kind of paraphrasing some of it, we're going to talk about what does a planner do? How does planning need to change? How do, what are the tactical maneuvers that you and your retirement planning need to start to consider that, you know, there's strategic risk and there's tactical risk. So strategic risk is the overall picture. You know, what, how is the world changing the larger strategy? But then once you have that as a planner, you still have to break down tactically. How old is this client? What's his portfolio look like? What kind of distributions does he need from his portfolio? Uh, those, that's a different set of risks. So we're, we're talking about those toward the end of the show and we will be doing a complete event to educate you fully on strategies or really tactics, tactics for a world turned upside down, which we believe will come once a lot of this shakes out and we have a great reset in the economy. We're going to tell you how to protect yourself. Uh, we are discounting tickets for that. The tickets right now until a week before the event. That's on Saturday, the 24th of September at the River Ridge Golf Club. Limited seating. I think it's like 35 max we can fit in there. And I expect the room to be full. Uh, tickets for that will be $25 until a week before the event. Then they'll go to $35. You can get a $15 ticket if you call today during the show. Numbers 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. That's 888-882-5578. And I will go back to John Hilsenrath of the Wall Street Journal article here about the Fed. So anyway, I brought up the whole thing about demographics because he uh, he credits a lot of this uh, long-running slowdown in the growth of worker productivity has limited how much the economy could grow. And I'm sure it's its own factor, but I think one of the key factors he doesn't talk about is demographics. But let's move on. Thirdly, he's talking about the places that the Fed has slipped on the banana peel, what the Fed didn't see coming. Thirdly, inflation hasn't responded to the ups and downs of the job market in the way that the Fed expected. The shifting financial, productivity, and inflation scenarios made it hard to gauge where interest rates belonged even before the financial crisis and are central to Ms. Yellen's dilemmas today. 
She is trying to raise short-term rates, but the economy so far has proved too feeble to absorb more than one small increase from near zero last December. Now, if she waits too long before moving, she could encourage bubbles. If she raises rates too much, she could cut off a fragile expansion. And in a replay of Japan's experience, never drive inflation to the Fed's target of 2%. See, this is where he's completely wrong about Japan. Japan's problem is their interest rates. It's not their interest rates. It's their shrinking population. They're not going to overcome it. They need to reset. But that's another topic. We can talk about it a little bit at the event. If we shouldn't be stimulating, if we shouldn't be printing money to get out of a slump, what should we be doing? We can take a little segment and talk about it at the event. And I'm sure the people in the audience will all have their opinions too. We love hearing them. So the article moves on uh, from quoting Janet Yellen. It says, quote, unfortunately, all economic projections are certain to turn out to be inaccurate in some respects and possibly significantly so. Miss Yellen warned in a June speech, the uncertainties are sizable. Great. So here, Heels and Wrath actually goes into an example of the unpredictability, the uncertainties that are sizable. One window into the Fed's run of misjudgments is a computer model that it uses to calibrate how the economy is likely to respond to changes in interest rates and outside shocks. It is called the FRB slash US, known as FURBUS. So FURBUS is this computer model which says how the economy is likely to respond if you change interest rates or if there's an outside shock. Simulations the Fed did with FURBUS during debates about a possible housing bubble in 2005 and again in 2007 failed to show how a fall in home prices could ripple through the financial sector, freezing credit that was the lifeblood of the economy. Quote, assuming, assuming that the Furbus model does a good job of capturing the macroeconomic implications of declining housing prices, such an event does not pose a particularly difficult challenge for monetary policy. John Williams, then a federal analyst, and now president of the San Francisco Fed said during a debate on the housing boom in 2005. So let's get this straight. The Fed's using this computer model. There's a debate going on and John Williams, who's a Fed analyst and now president of the San Francisco Fed back in 2005 says, you know, we're using this model and assuming that it does a good job of capturing the implications of declining housing prices, you know, that, that event does not really pose a particularly difficult challenge for monetary policy. So Hilsenrath goes on, the model showed the economy could weather a 20% drop in home prices with small increases in unemployment and modest cuts in interest rates. Furbus didn't account for the damage that unstable financial institutions can do to an economy. Unemployment rose to 10%. The Fed cut rates to near zero and then launched programs that ballooned its securities portfolio to more than $4 trillion. That's $4 trillion of crap, bad, dead assets that the Fed had to buy to bail the economy out. But in 2005, the San Francisco Fed chief currently, what he is now, says, eh, this probably won't be much of a problem. Our, our model's so it's not going to be a big problem. 
Okay, so goes on, quote, what was missing to me was the in-depth understanding of how much risk and leverage had grown in the financial system and basically how lacking in resilience the financial system as a whole was to this kind of shock, Mr. Williams said in a recent interview. Fed officials say that they are alert to the financial system's risks and have cushioned it by forcing banks to hold more capital. Other entities such as hedge funds, hedge funds, Money market funds are more closely watched. Still, some worry that even with those efforts, continuing very low rates could feed instability by driving investors too heavily into some asset class in search of higher returns. Mr. Rosengren is worried about booming commercial real estate. Quote, you do have to think about some of the collateral effects that can occur when interest rates are low for a long period, he said. Real estate is one of those sectors. Okay, I'm going to try to paraphrase a little bit more here. Uh, there's a paragraph here that says, Fed officials failing to see the persistence of this change have repeatedly overestimated how fast the economy would grow. The Fed has projected growth, faster growth than the economy delivered in 13 of the past 15 years and is on track to do so again this year. All right. Enough said. Great article, Wall Street Journal. This article is by John Hilsenrath. It is dated, uh, well, I pulled it off on 8-25-2016, August 25th. Uh, it is called Years of Fed Missteps Fueled Disillusion with the Economy in Washington. All right. Let's talk about, let's shift now. Let's talk about people come in my office. And I've convinced them, really, all of this, I'm just trying to tell a story which is, it's not your mom and dad's retirement anymore. It's not buy and hold. It's not a diversified portfolio of stocks and mutual funds. You've got to look at other more diversified, and I don't mean diversified by buying more in different mutual funds. You need to look beyond funds. You need to look in several things that mom and pop probably never invested in because you've got to start to uncorrelate from where the general markets are going. Now, markets on a great ride right now. They were on a great ride in 2007 and 2008. But you've got to look at, when you look at articles like we just read, it tells you that we are in the middle of a big experiment. In fact, before I go into this, I want to play a, a couple clips here from some very smart people, how they, what their take is on this whole Federal Reserve situation. So if you've ever been to any of our workshops, you saw that we uh, cover a couple of really good videos on how money's created and what the Federal Reserve does that are produced by Chris Martinson. Uh, you can find his work at peakprosperity.com. Peakprosperity.com. Great set of videos. He's a little bit of a gold bug that I disagree with, but a really good foundation of understanding that all money is created by debt. <laughs> and, and the system... The entire system can collapse when debt starts to break. So great, uh, great uh, website to go get this stuff. This is Chris Martinson interviewing David Stockman, the former director of office and management and budget for Ronald Reagan. Stockman has been a very pure free market outspoken uh, advocate for free markets and very anti-Fed. And he gave a take recently about Elizabeth Warren. So Elizabeth Warren's an interesting cat because she doesn't know, she doesn't know what side of issues she's on 
in my opinion, I think I used to really admire her. Now, frankly, I've really got a problem with her. And Elizabeth Warren went after the banks. The banks are very bad. The banks are very corrupt. Okay, good. So we really need to fix the banking system. But now she is protecting the Federal Reserve, the, the very core of this corruption. And I don't mean corruption in a, a bad way. I just mean m- stupid ideas, ideas that are just pure Keynesian and, and are complete corruptions of the capitalistic system and the checks and balances that are in a free market are being corrupted by the work of the Federal Reserve and central banks. But now she's protecting them and they're having a discussion about that. And I want you to just sort of listen in on this. And then I'm going to talk to you about uh, here in the last few minutes of the show, which is really the whole topic. I'm not going to go into all this Federal Reserve stuff uh, at the workshop. The workshop we're having on September 24th is how do you tactically plan for that within a portfolio? And let me just clear up a couple words. Strategy, even though we call this strategies for a world turned upside down. But in a broader sense, strategy is the big play of the game or the war. In other words, how are you going to win the chess game overall? How are you going to execute beating the Nazis in World War II? But tactics get down to what are the things on the smaller scale that you have to make decisions with that execute strategy. And what we're really going to be doing in the workshop is talking a lot about tactics. And we've never done that before. So again, uh, before we go into this clip, let me urge you to get some tickets now. September 24th, I think it's going to be full. And we're probably going to have an overflow on October 1st, which I haven't announced yet. So let's see how it goes. But if we get enough, we'll book a second date. Uh, the number for that for reduced tickets, it's a $25 ticket up until a week before the event. Then it'll be a $35 ticket. You can get tickets for $15 right now during the show if you call 888 for a discounted ticket on the, uh, and I'll tell you more about the workshop in just a little bit, on the 24th of September at the River Ridge Golf Club in Oxnard from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., maybe 3 p.m., depending on how long we go. We feed you lunch. $15 is a bargain, a bargain on this right now. If you call during the show, 888-882-5578. Let's get into this David Stockman and Chris Martinson clip where they talk about the Federal Reserve's business. So uh, there's such, such a target-rich environment to talk about with you. Where do we start? You know what I'd love to start with is I was actually a little bit shocked uh, to see Elizabeth Warren come out and say that she didn't support auditing the Federal Reserve. And uh, I was a little shocked because she's been a populist and, and presented herself that way. And I can't think of anything more populist-oriented than to have exquisite transparency into the organization that is entrusted with printing money out of thin air and handing it out. Well, you know, I think that's a really good starting point. I actually had uh, I posted a blog on that two days ago. The title uh, happens uh, happened to be uh, "Audit the Fed, comma Shackle the Fed," and that's the difference between where uh, I would be, for instance, and where uh, Elizabeth Warren came out. Um, the liberals uh, don't have any objection at the end of the day to money printing. They are still under uh, the uh, Keynesian delusion that somehow zero interest rates will, uh, you know, reduce. Rejuvenate, uh, rejuvenate the economy, that we don't have enough uh, borrowing in the system, and that business and consumers, therefore, need to be encouraged to borrow more. You know, that whole uh, syndrome, that whole uh, framework, uh, obviously is wrong. It's failed dramatically. We 
can see that almost day by day as we enter another uh, calendar year and find that the economy, again, has not uh, taken off into escape velocity as we've been promised over and over as a result of all this monetary expansion. So uh, I think, uh, you know, we're getting uh, to the Rubicon here uh, in terms of where people stand on this issue. And uh, I do appreciate the fact that she has been pretty tough on Wall Street and the bailouts, and that is all to the good. But you have to ask, why did all this happen? Uh, why have we created so much uh, leverage and risk-taking uh, and kind of uh, unproductive uh, trading and churning in our financial markets? Did this uh, you know, come out of the inherent uh, nature of capitalism? I don't think so. Has there been an uh, you know, upgrade in the level of greed on Wall Street? I don't think so. It's always been there. The change is at the central bank. The change, the difference, is in monetary policy, which is out of control. We're now in the 73rd month of zero interest rates. That's the most important price in all of capitalism, and it's been pinned at zero uh, for 73 months, and they still can't quite get up the nerves to let it rise even by 25 basis points. So I think those uh, those points begin um, to uh, frame the issue, and uh, it's pretty clear that the kind of... Um, anti-bailout liberals uh, like Elizabeth Warren uh, don't have a clue as to what the fundamental problem is, and, and that is obviously an overwhelmingly out-of-control central banks, not just uh, in the Eccles building here, but virtually every central bank in the world. Excellent points, David. You know, I, what it comes down to for me is this idea that, you know, if Elizabeth Warren was against the bailouts, I can't think of anything that's a more profound and pronounced and ongoing bailout than to drive interest rates to zero, prevent people who are savers from accumulating any interest returns on that money. And since they're not getting it, somebody is, and that turns out to be the banks and their balance sheets. So the Fed all on its own decided that it was going to, at the expense of one set of participants in the economy, punish them and reward another set, which I don't believe deserve to be rewarded. I can't think of anything that's more bailout-ish than that. Now, that is the continuing uh, fundamental bailout that uh, has been in place uh, continuously since September 2008. And it is the uh, continuing bailout since 2008 that keeps markets from feeling the risk of how high they go. And so they climb and they climb and they climb because there's an artificial net underneath them. That's the contention. Now, you might disagree. There's a lot of potential in the American economy. You know, there's there's great ingenuity there's great resources in america particularly compared to the rest of the world but what we're talking about is a true value of asset prices and as david stockman said the interest rate is the most important marker in an economy that tells you where things are at and zero or 0.25 is a falsehood nothing is worth no risk anyone who lends money uh, if the government is going to lend money, if, if, uh, banks are going to lend money to each other, there's going to have to be a risk assigned to that. And zero is a false risk. All right. So we're saying all that just to basically say things are going to change. So let's shift gears here and talk a little bit about what we're going to cover in the seminar. So here's what I want you to understand about this seminar. This is going to be on September 24th at the River Ridge Golf Club from 10 a.m. to two or three. Uh, we'll feed you lunch. Uh, again, tickets are $25 right now. Uh, if you go online and get them, I will shortly have this event posted up at financiallearninglounge.com. Might not be up when you hear this, but it will be up soon. And, um, you can get a ticket right now for $15 by calling 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. This is an authoritative workshop that is going to examine the inevitable outcome 
of all this global risk to the baby boomers that are retiring in the next 10 years. And this is the premise of it. Let's just say that some pundits, maybe not me, maybe not you, but there are some pundits out there that say that very soon the world will change. Our contention is that now is the time to learn the portfolio planning strategies that are going to preserve wealth and grow wealth in that chaotic investment market, which has not come yet, but we believe will be coming later this decade, maybe sooner than you think. So this is the facts about risk in 2016. So while the stock market today reaches these historical peaks, peaks, Global debt levels have also soared well above 2008 record high levels. The substance of these risks have been thoroughly discussed on this show before. We've talked about failing European debt. We've talked about failing oil glut debt. We've talked about soaring, soaring Chinese debt that is still growing and leaps and bounds today in the face of their overblown stock market and real estate bubbles. But this is the first time that I'm actually going to work with you guys in the audience to reveal the itemized list of financial planning tactics and strategies that are used by the more forward-thinking planners, the guys that are looking ahead at this, to protect and prosper from these sweeping changes. So let's itemize a few of these while I have a few minutes left on the show here. So one is going to be institutional risk. There are going to be institutions that will fail in the coming changes, and there'll be institutions that hold up. So we're going to have a discussion of that. And part of that discussion, whether it is by recorded conversation, John Truman Wolf is trying to make it. It depends what day we have it. But John Truman Wolf is the author of The Coming Financial Crisis, A Look Behind the Wizard's Curtain. He is a former banker deep into research on the risk that we know exists in the banking sector from the quadrillion dollar financial derivative market. Yes, financial derivatives around the planet right now are quadrillions of dollars and the banks are trillions of dollars into betting on derivatives. And what his conclusion is, is that there will be a Cypress style bank bail-in the next time the banks fail and they will confiscate depositor money before they go back to Congress and ask for taxpayer money. So we're going to talk about that institutional risk. We're going to talk about market risk and you're going to learn about non-correlated assets that provide reasonable returns that are going to be far better than a bank or a government bond's going to give you in a crisis. But they link to resources and institutions that have historically withstood the worst of these times. So if we look at the institutions that are going to fail versus the ones that will stand up, we want to look at can we lean on some of these to deliver some returns when the market fails. Then we're going to look at planning issues. One of them is a longevity risk. So today, because every so many other risks stem from longevity risk. Fact is today, if a couple's age 65, they've got a 47% chance that one of them's going to live to age 90. So what do you do about that? Well, it changes what's called the 4% rule. The 4% rule is basically a rule of how planners feel that they can provide an, a lifetime income out of a portfolio when you retire. And they're saying with low interest rates and the way things go today, please don't plan on taking more than 4% of your portfolio per year. Really? So I have a million dollars saved hypothetically, and I can only spend $40,000 a year to live on. 
Yes, if you want to make sure that survives. What they're trying to do is they're trying to use dividends and interest to generate the income so your children can inherit the million dollars and they can keep the million dollars in their coffers, charging you the 1% a year for running that. But the 4% rule at the end of the day is broken. Interest rates have been crushed to historical lows, and many planners feel that it's not even longer any possible to safely plan for even 4%. So you're going to learn in this workshop what we call the big income play that could provide safe lifetime withdrawal rates, maybe 5 to 7%. So we're going to tell you how to up that and stay safe and get a higher withdrawal rate out of your portfolio than the failing 4% rule. We're going to talk about future taxation rates. We've got ever-increasing in government debt levels that we know will be part of this environment and are likely going to drive income tax rates to new levels or the government is just going to go deeper into debt. They may not, you know, in your lifetime, they may not raise the tax rates. They may just say, okay, well, you know, uh, uh, low taxes is the answer. Low taxes is the answer until they go deeper and deeper in the deficit. So we want to look at are there practical ways to reduce your taxable footprint. One of the big things I really want to talk about is a big risk in life insurance and annuities. Now, these are great products and can I, I work a lot with those products, but they're often being sold as a panacea financial product today. And the complexity of life insurance and annuities has increased tenfold in the last decade. So one of the things I want to do in this workshop when we're talking about tactics and we're talking about strategies for a world turned upside down is I want to dissect the bells and whistles that these products are sold with from the real efficacy of the product for uninitiated consumers that are up against very slick insurance salespeople. I'm going to break this down. And if you know anyone who's worked with me, it's really hard to work with me. There are people out there, slick insurance people that say, keep it simple, keep it simple, keep it simple. I've been through that training that they get. I know that they hate it when you even ask for a brochure because they don't want to get into details. The devil is in the details. These products are not all the same. And when people work with me, one of the hard things is I have to slog them through the details to make sure that they are getting the best, most suitable best performing products that are out there and don't listen to, oh, this is 7% here when they're taking something away here or there or whatever. So we're going to get into the risk of these products uh, and and talk about how to cut through the bells and whistles and actually examine these products and how to best pick them. Uh, another thing we're going to talk about that is a future planning risk in this new environment. So Again, we're talking about tactics versus strategy. Strategically, we need to be aware that the world is going to change maybe sooner than you think. Strategically, it's not mom and dad's retirement. Strategically, the past is no indicator of future performance. So tactically, these sub-risks that I'm telling you is how a planner begins to plan in that environment. One of the sub-risks, one of the tactical concerns is sequence of returns risk. So while you're taking withdrawals out of your retirement funds, there's a massive difference in the outcome as to when a change in the market direction finally arrives. Is it going to happen sooner in your retirement? Is it going to happen later? And is it better to have a weak market followed by a strong market or vice versa? Now, the funny thing is, if you're not taking money out of your portfolio, it doesn't matter. If you, if you go up 
10% for five years and down 10% for five years, it wouldn't matter what order it happened in as long as you're not taking money out. But if you're taking money out of a portfolio and you call this one wrong, you could lob a potential 10 years off the lo- off the life of your retirement portfolio. So these are the tactical planning risks that begin to come into play that I'm going to help you understand on the 24th of September at the River Ridge Golf Club when we have strategies for a world turned upside down. The tickets for that will be $25. You will eventually be able to get over to financiallearninglounge.com and buy those online. The week before the event, they will go up to $35. Anybody calls in right now, we're giving you 10 bucks off the $25 ticket price. That's a steal. We feed you lunch. It is the number for that is 888 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. By the way, I'm going to have a seminar part two on that day, which I haven't discussed much. And I'm going to go back over the great gold bust ahead and why gold will actually not be a safe haven in the new environment, because this crash is going to be deflationary. That makes gold the wrong thing to hold. And this is going to be based on the work of economists and New York Times bestselling author, Harry S. Dent. So I'm going to give you his slides that he has personally given me to cover the great gold bust ahead that will also be part of it. The thing I want to stress is there are answers to these risks. We're going to walk you through an examination of each one of the risks and how they can each be mitigated and woven into a cohesive retirement portfolio strategy that is going to weather this storm. Join us on the 21st. Call now. Meet us down at the golf club. They're great seminars. Great crowd. 888-882-5578. Get $10 off your ticket right now. 888-882-5578. Gain some confidence that you know how this planning is done by professional planners and you can think for yourself and think ahead. 888-882-5578. More on this next week. 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. Content of Straight Talk Wealth Radio is for educational purposes only. Any discussion of financial products and their features is subject to change without notice. Consult your own tax, legal, or financial advisor as to your specific situation. Tax-free benefit specialists and insurance services. California license 0E48147.